Hey, good morning, everybody, and welcome to Dirty Secrets of Small Business Podcast, owned by Maximum Value Partners. And Maximum Value Partners is a coaching company. And my name is Jack Mancini, and I'm here with my longstanding partner, business partner, Adam Sunhalter. Hello, Adam. Morning, Jack. Now, what we do, we uh, we advise small businesses or business coaches. That's what we call ourselves, and we do just that. We advise our our clients on how to understand business and how to put business steps of business uh, the the demands of business, how to put it in perspective so you can deal with it sanely and effectively. And we have we have established five or seven uh, seven what we call uh, yeah, geez, what do we call it? I got a, a blank here. Our keys to success. Thank you. Uh, sure. Been saying that too many times, too many years. <laughs> right. <laughs> anyway, what we do, we uh, we've established seven keys of success that break business down into understandable chunks. And if you stay with us, and many of our clients do, and when I say stay with us, it's decades. It's it's getting as far as uh, the time we've been together. Uh, and it's because they grow with us. They learn so much that they, they can't believe it. And we just sort of melt into a partnership, you know, which we get both very comfortable with. And it, uh, it, it, propels growth it propels profits really that's the focus uh growth doesn't have to necessarily be present for profits to be there uh, and that's the that's the main focus and all the hocus pocus that goes on with uh different departments regulations of the government different uh, uh programs and focus is is demanded uh, by especially small businesses and it's a, a world that is, I'm going to say, not helpful in many cases to small business owners in you know this time period that we're dealing with overall. So, what do we do? You know, Adam and I have uh, been involved with putting values on companies, small businesses especially. They don't have the the uh, the breath and zeros after their name like uh jp morgan or, or somebody big on wall street they don't even know what what a balance sheet and a profit and loss is sometimes when they start out <clears throat> and they're they're close to a big road of opportunity if more we'll start with cpas would take the time to basically educate them and it would be a, a you know, a pleasant surprise with them, them being the small business owners, to be able to understand an option for bailing the company or or making profits or doing things that would be profitable and good for you, the small business owners, are usually left off the table. Because the business owner himself never looks at that as an opportunity because they don't understand enough of it. But a little company that doesn't have all these regulations, these, these you know, the trading trading regulations for stock, basically has a big advantage. It's a relatively simple process, and they could grow their business and profits by making small acquisitions. 
and everyone could kind of uh, rise above the fray here and do good and be happy. So valuations are, are a, kind of a stumbling block for a lot of people. And it's nothing more than putting market value with based on transactions, typically, that elevates your company to, you know, a status of a couple of multiple times times earnings. And there's all kind of voodoo tricks to run and, and uh, fill up a big folder worth uh, 25, 50 pages of stuff that'll never come into play. So you should use your lawyer when and your 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 CPA when starting out to get uh, the genuflection to the to the regulators. You get that put in place, and you can you can put a, a value on your company very easily and much less affordable or more affordable than than uh, typically the process today. So does does a small business owner even need a valuation other than? Uh, discussion over coffee and and you know put a strategy in place that uh geez, if i pay a hundred thousand or if i pay a million dollars for this company i need to figure out my cash flow on it i mean it almost comes down to something that simple so uh we're going to talk today like we usually do about a situation that's currently going on with us and our clients and our coaching and we've had a few a few companies we've helped acquire companies and evaluation is always uh, it can get messy sometimes because it's so subjective. It it tries to get objective points and it has a few of them, but overall it's a very subjective process. So what do you think, Adam? What do you think about valuations? You're more the expert in this dynamic uh, organization of maximum value partners. Well, we both have a lot of experience doing this stuff, Jack. And yes, welcome everybody. This is episode uh, 358. 358 episode of Dirty Secrets of Small Business. So our topic today is, it can be summed up as how useful is a business valuation? How useful is it? And in general, I'd say it's not worth the paper it's written on for the most part. Okay, just let's, let's kind of start there. You know, versus, as you were mentioning earlier, Jack, genuflecting at the altar of these things. Okay, well, if you've been in business for a while, chances are somebody's talked to you about evaluation or that topic has kind of come up. And, you know, as I know, you're, you're always fond of saying, Jack, you pull out your, your, your inner attorney when, when we ask these questions, right? Well, is it, do you need evaluation or not? And, and your response is going to be two words. It depends, right? That's it right. Depends. That's right. And so so let's start we, with we that. We say that a lot. We say well, that a lot, you know? Right. It's just so, so many indecisive uh, situations here. Right, go on. Well, no, but your point. So, so it may come up, come up a conversation, or people might ask, "Well, hey, you know, what's your company worth?" Or, "Hey, you're thought about selling your company." And so, you know, chances are, at some point, you've danced with the idea. You have a sense of what it is, but you don't necessarily have a number in mind per se. But it's like anything else, Jack. You you, you probably kind of know when somebody's making you an offer you can't refuse. You know, so we've had several clients that have gotten that over the years too, where somebody comes in and makes an offer, or it's just a, it's too good of an offer to pass up. And you don't need a you don't need a formal 70 page business valuation to tell you that okay you know, that's you, what you got right you, you, you kind of know so so a couple of the areas where this may come up you know so uh, one of the common things that happens with a small business owner as you might imagine is that owner or, or those owners are very important to the business and so there's something that's known as a key man or key woman life insurance policy so heaven forbid something happens to the owner and they're you know they 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 die suddenly you know what's going to happen and so 
what will happen is they'll, they'll often put a valuation on the business to say, here, here's what the company's worth. And so we try to get a policy that covers the value of that company. And so, you know, those bureaucrats love that kind of stuff. Those bureaucrats being, you know, one, one of Jack's favorite is the insurance companies. Now, Jack loves insurance companies. It's one of his favorite things to do is deal with insurance, right, Jack? Oh, boy, that's right, Adam. You get you up in the morning and all. just clap your hands. Okay, give me some more insurance people to deal with, right? So, so when it comes to something like that, you know, it's helpful to have a, a third party valuation because if, if you go to that to that insurance company and say, "Hey, I want to get a million dollar policy in my company because my company's worth a million bucks," and they say, "Well, it's great," well, who, you know, who's told you it's worth a million bucks? And unless you have somebody who's got a bunch of alphabet soup after their name, Jack, and and many people have probably seen it. If you see somebody's business card, they've got two or three or four or five, you know. CVA, CB, whatever, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, right? They got a bunch of letters after the name. It doesn't mean anything to you as an owner, but it means something to that insurance person, let's say, Jack, right? Or or, or means something to the to the court. So that's one area where you almost you almost can't avoid it. You know, in terms of if you want to get something like that, that, that key person life insurance policy, you, you kind of need something like that. Or it may come up if you have, if you have a partner or you have partners in the business. There, there's often a buy sell agreement that that gets put into place, and so often as part of that, there may be some, as you were mentioning earlier, Jack, there might be some sort of formula in there, in terms of here's how we're going to determine value, or it might just say, hey, what we're going to do is we're going to go out and engage somebody to perform evaluation, and there'll be some 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 nonsense in there about well, look, if if all of a sudden Jack and I are partners, like we are in, in a business, and for some reason. We get evaluation done and Jack goes, that's a bunch of BS. Okay, well, then Jack can go and find somebody else to do evaluation too. So now we've got dueling valuations, right? It's almost like the dueling pianos, Jack. We have, we have the dueling valuations and here's what mine says. And here's what mine says. And here's the assumption, you know, okay. Meanwhile, we're just, you know, we're just trying to get something done and check a box off and say, hey, you know, we have to get this thing done to, to complete our buy-sell agreement. So, so there are cert- circumstances where that's often helpful. But where it's not helpful or, or, or usually gets in the way when it comes to the real world of doing deals, of buying and selling companies. And so my first real exposure to this, and for those of you who aren't familiar, I spent the first uh, almost decade of my career on Wall Street helping people buy and sell companies and living in the real world of doing deals. And it wasn't until I came back to Cleveland and partnered up with Jack and, and we had started Maximum Value Partners, we started doing some valuation work. And we started to investigate that marketplace. And we saw, you know, there's a kind of a couple of extremes. So on the one end of the spectrum, we have the kind of those folks that do a lot of those, again, buy-sell agreements or life insurance policy valuations. And then on the other end of the spectrum, Jack, you have those fancy pants folks that testify in court. All right. And they they, they charge you whether it be hundreds or thousands of dollars an hour for their their expertise to go up and and testify in court and defend whatever that valuation is going to say. And you got a few folks that are in between there, but what happens is it's all very, very theoretical because you, you come back to the, the definition of fair market value, which is what often people come back to. And that's a willing buyer and a willing seller. So when, when I say that the valuation reports off, often aren't <clears> worth <throat> what, you know, what they're written on in terms of the paper that they're written on, it's because at the end of the day, it doesn't take into account that willing buyer and willing seller. What we often hear people talk about, and this happened very recently with a, with a client of ours who's trying to finance a deal, and it should be a, a slam dunk deal. You know, this is a existing company buying a competitor. And so when, when that happens, you know, as I'm sure you can imagine, 
if you have an existing company and you bring in a competitor, there's often some cost savings. And so the the fancy pants word we used to use in Wall Street, Jack, was called synergies. All right, the synergy. synergy. Yeah, right? seven. Yeah, I haven't heard that for a while. Well, you know what that usually means, Jack. Right? It usually means we're going to be saving costs. So we're going to be you know getting rid of costs. We're going to get get rid of some people because we we have we have duplicates especially more on the administrative side of things. So if you have office managers, you have folks who are doing some of the internal work, some of the, the billing, the receiving. So just because some of the operations of the company, if, if that already exists, <coughs> often when you buy the competitor, that's not what you really need. <coughs> I'll wait till you're done. Excuse me. It's all right. Excuse me. <laughs> so so is, is there, as you're buying a company, often what you're buying is a couple of things. One is you're buying kind of a customer list or you're buying their their phone number, their their online presence in terms of whatever helps to kind of bring that business in. And then you're also often buying that, um, that you know, some of the employee base, some of the folks are helping from a production standpoint. And so there's often, again, there's often some cost savings. So, so the way that the company looks when the, when the seller's running it looks very different from when the buyer runs it and in terms of how much cash comes in. At the end of the day, you alluded to this, Jack, what do people really care about? care about the cash flow of the business, you know? And so, as I mentioned, we, we, we did some research into this market early on and we discovered a very interesting company called Spar Data. Remember Spar Data? Oh yeah. Yeah, that was a very, very big surprise, quite frankly. So these guys almost sound like a, just a machine, right? They have a, a, a process in place where they have you fill out a form, they'll have like an hour discussion with you. And then six weeks later, magically they deliver this nice valuation report. Uh, at the time, I think they were charging maybe five thousand bucks. I'm sure this, you know, these days are probably charging six, eight thousand bucks for those reports. And if you needed it faster, they could accelerate the process for an extra few grand and kind of get you get you that report quicker. But it would have all the things in there. It have it'd be a 30, 40, 50 page report, and it would it would show all the ways that they that they calculate values. And they have again, they have their formulas. So as long as they have their tax returns, so they they start just plugging their numbers into their spreadsheets. Again, it's a bunch of of as one of our clients kind kind of said, a bunch of nerds putting numbers into spreadsheets, right? Okay, so nothing to do with reality. And so when we recently had a client of ours who was trying to do this deal, where again, it was a, a you know, somebody looking to buy an existing company that was a competitor. So a lot of the, the cost savings are from either the prior owner, you know, not being there anymore, or as often the case of the small business, there's often a lot of personal stuff that gets run through the business. And so, you know, those personal things usually get added back as, and they have a fancy, a couple of fancy pants terms they use for that, Jack. It's often called SDE, which is like seller discretionary earnings, or ODCF, the owner's discretionary cash flow, right? So discretionary is that key part in both of those words, which is you as the owner of a small business, you have discretion in terms of what stuff you run through the business, what stuff you expense through your business. So, you know, chances are, if you have your cell phone, chances are you aren't paying for your cell phone personally. Chances are you're running that expense through your business. You know, maybe your vehicle expenses, maybe, you know, it depends what the, there's a, there's a, an array of stuff you can kind of run through the business. So in the real world, you're trying to figure out if I'm a potential buyer, I'm trying to figure out, okay, Jack, how much, how much cash flow do you have discretion over that, that, you know, I can look at and now how I would choose to be discretionary the way I'm running the company might be different versus how you're running the company, Jack, right? And so what you try to do is get down to that point, because at the end of the day, yeah, you, usually you're willing to pay a multiple of that, you know, in terms of that cash flow. That, that's that's the real world in terms of how stuff tends to get done. Well, imagine 
my frustration. Imagine our client's frustration when they're talking to a valuation nerd who's talking about hypothetical buyer, hypothetical seller. And it totally ignoring the deal at hand in terms of here's what the deal looks like. And the banker who's quoting SBA rules or IRS rules, which is a bunch of nonsense about ways for them not to do their own, their own work. It should be a simple deal because yeah. the bank understands the bank should be talking about free cash flow. If you're, if you've, if you've ever gone to the bank to try to borrow money, the easiest time to borrow money, Jack, is when you don't need it. And so if you have a lot of free cash flow, they're happy to give you all kinds of money. If you don't have free cash flow, they're going to tighten up, right? So here's a deal that in, 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 in basic sense should be a no-brainer because it's a well-run company. When the, when the new buyer takes it over, they're going to save a bunch of money on stuff. And so there's, there's more free cash flow there to pay back that debt, right? But yet they aren't doing that. They're, they're, they're living in this theoretical theoretical world. And so if at all costs, if you can avoid having to get a valuation done when it comes to actually truly buying or selling a company, all it's going to do is get in the way and it's going to waste five or $10,000 for you of having to kind of pay for that valuation. It's tremendously annoying. And, and it's something that- That's the right word too. That's the right word. Well, annoying. It's something, it's something we did for a little while early on in- in our in our maximum value partner's life but it only lasted maybe a year and a big part of that is because i was getting so pissed off because it was such nonsense again come back to all these rules hypothetical stuff versus you know part of the reason why i love being an entrepreneur and my wife keeps telling me more about this as she's learning you know and she's decorporatizing herself she said hey you're all about getting stuff done I mean, what's the fastest path to get to get something done and knock all the other crap out of the way that's exactly the case and that's what entrepreneur like we're trying to get things done not having to go through a bunch of bureaucracy and all this nonsense, where at the end of the day, they give you this report, Jack, and you say, okay, well, guess what? Chances are you don't have either a willing buyer or a willing seller at that price. So what the heck is that thing worth? It's not worth anything because there's no there's no deal there at that, at that valuation. It's absolutely insane. And so I'm guessing many of our listeners have been through something like this. Maybe they're hearing about this. And don't be afraid to challenge and push back on this stuff because, again, you know, the, the, they start when somebody starts quoting tax laws or the IRS or the SBA or all these rules. I'm thinking that's just lazy. That's somebody being lazy, and and they aren't trying to help get something done. And so we often have to educate people about stuff. Here's how you look at stuff, and you know, I, I, you know, come back to that, that seller discretionary earnings thing. I, I, I couldn't believe they had. EBITDA, it's something else we didn't mention, Jack. EBITDA, people might be familiar <laughs> with that. That's another term for cash flow. It's earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, amortization. So that's why I call it EBITDA. It's much, much simpler. But they they showed EBITDA and they showed, you know, SDE. And the only thing that they added was the owner's compensation. They didn't add back, again, cell phones. All this, all this stuff that they, they could have added back that's truly discretionary. Right, because you, you as the owner can decide not to run anything personal through the business. You just say, hey, it's all purely business expenses. There's no discretionary expense here at all. Okay, but that's that's rare. I mean, I can't think of very many owners and companies we've dealt with in, in the small business world, Jack, that aren't running stuff through their business. That's just how, how things work. That's how things kind of just go. It's part of what you do when you're running a company. You know, um, you're often going to have meals in the company. Why? Because you're constantly talking about the business. You're constantly working, Jack. Right, so it's a it's a business expense. 
You know, so you have different things like that. That's that's normal, real world stuff that these things miss, totally miss. That's right. That's uh, we, we've seen that time and again. So the the subjectivity of it all, it you know, it has some guardrails, but for the most part, it's subjective. And you know, you you have a lot of latitude in choosing what you write off in the company's expenses. It's just, you know, the, the two overlap life. Okay. So you make a decision based on as much uh, support that you can get uh, with, with your CPA and with reading uh, about some tax articles about what you can deduct and what you can't, but it's going to come down to you as the individual and your story. And, you know, this is why you did what you did. That's it. It's not. It's not anything other than that. Just have a story. Well, as I try to bridge the gap between Wall Street and Main Street, you know, when, when we were doing deals in Wall Street, again, we weren't going out and getting valuations. We, you know, we'd have a sense of what the company was worth, but it comes down to, to there's something called negotiation, Jack, which totally gets totally gets missed. There, there's there, there's a negotiation for a deal, and a big difference between Wall Street and Main Street. With with Wall Street, what they're often doing is they're doing, I'll use another fancy term here, financial engineering. Okay, what does that mean? They're, they're talking about IRRs and ROIs. Maybe you've heard some of that. Some of that again, more alphabet soup, right? The, you know, IRRs, internal rate of return, or ROIs, return on investment. And what they're trying to do is they have a certain bogey in mind that, that they're trying to get to. That hey, if I buy a company like this, that you know, I need to get a return on investment of X percent. And so they'll go again. You get a bunch of nerds playing spreadsheets, and I was one of those nerds playing the spreadsheets, so I can, I can, I can say that. You go in and you'd, you'd adjust. How are we going to finance this deal? And you get very creative with financing. How much am I putting in an equity versus debt versus some combination? Of that? So you, again, Wall Street plays that kind of stuff. When we come down to Main Street, we aren't dealing with whether it be multi-hundred million or multi-billion dollar deals. That's the kind of stuff that, that, that I was dealing. We're talking about deals where we're doing maybe it's hundreds of thousands of dollars, Jack, or maybe several million dollars, right? You, know, you, aren't, you aren't going in and doing all kinds of fancy pants financial engineering here. We're about you know, you know, return on investment or these fancy forms. You're just that's, all, that's all they know. They, <laughs> they know one way. They, right. they, they, don't, they, don't, they don't stop and have beers and uh, live life the way life is being lived with the small business world. It's, it's uh, all highly technical bullshit. Right. Well, and, and, and why are they doing a deal? Right. So it comes down to, and we talk about this a lot, you know, you know, on, on air as well as off air, but there's a lot of emotion when it comes to small business, Jack. So if I'm selling my business that I've grown for the last 30 years, I'm emotionally attached to that thing. You know, I know the, I know my, my employees, I know my customers, I, I know the entire history. A big part of what's important to me as part of a sale is selling it to the right people. Right, because I want you know that's usually a big part. I want to make sure I sell it to somebody who's gonna who's gonna continue on what we're doing and kind of do it that way or, or do some version of that. So I'm not I'm not necessarily looking for the absolute highest price, right? Because I'm trying to find who that who that right buyer might be, right? Or I'm trying to get to the point where a deal can get done. Because you know I want to sell the company, and I and I, and I want to get away and do you know do whatever I'm going to be doing, and so it comes down to okay, what's what do I need to do to get to that willing buyer and willing seller? And it's often the case, you know, where usually you cross over is where the buyer feels like they're paying a little bit too much and the seller feels like they're giving up too much, right? That's usually when a deal starts to happen. That's that's the real world of how deals start to happen. But it isn't us arguing about a piece of paper 
that's got a bunch of nonsense, you know, of, you know, what's it worth. So Jack, you've personally bought five companies. How many of those five companies did you get a valuation report done on before you bought the company? None. <laughs> None, <laughs> right? And the, 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 the clients we've helped buy and sell companies these last 20 years, how many have we used a valuation report on that, you know, again, that was done to get, to get a deal structured? You know, or that was used as here. Here it is. You know, there's often valuations that were done, but uh, you'll see often in, in in closely held companies where it's transitioning from one generation to the next. So it's going from the parents to to, to the kids. It's often necessary to have a that third party come and give the give the blessing to it. Right here it is, and so we're making sure that mom and dad aren't just kind of lowballing it or doing this, or they aren't robbing the kids blind. Whatever. So it's it's somewhere in the in the vicinity of that fair market value. But it, at the end of the day, the deal that gets done is often different. And, and, and today, especially, Jack, over the last couple of years, all the nonsense that, that, that's happened, you know, in terms of you know, monies that are out there, you know, going, you know, from, from, from all the COVID stuff. So the PPP stuff, the employer retention tax credits, the, 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 the refunds and workers' compensation, there's all kinds of monies now that are kind of running through a lot of these companies. And many companies have a lot of cash in the company, right? Well, does that mean the company's worth more money than Jack? Because they got a bunch of money dropped in on you. Does that make your company more valuable, or it just means you have more cash in the business in terms of you know what's what's going on, right? <laughs> so that's right. So if, if that cash was not generated from the operations of the business, well, the company's not worth any more. You just have to have you have cash. Okay, so take the cash out, right? But the, 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 the you know in terms of how much you 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 make in terms of profits, cash flows each year, that's ultimately what people care about. You know, now once in a while you'll get, you know, depending on the industry that you're in, you might have some consolidation going on and people will overpay to get into a market. You know, if, if I have a big consolidator coming in, who's, you know, got hundreds of millions or billions of dollars worth of sales. Well, do you think they really care, Jack, if they pay you 2 million for your company or 3 million for your company? I mean, at the end of the day, it's really kind of rounding error for them. Right. So uh, that's, that's right. So if they've identified your, your market as being a good market to get into, they're willing to pay a little more just to get into the market. Because you know they 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 don't want to start in the market, then they can start to kind of now even amp it up and and, and make that company e you know even worth more from that standpoint. But it's it's one of those things that and and we have found you know I think you were talking about this earlier, Jack. We have found that in the small business world, there are not too many folks who talk and think like we do, and we're constantly frustrated by a lot of these technocrats and agents of the government who are just checking off boxes. And are really not adding any value or helping their small business clients to get to, to get what they want, which is to, to get a deal done. Here's how you get the deals done. And and they'll often throw that whole valuation thing up there. And also now we gotta wait. We have to we have to stop for the next six to eight weeks and hope that we answer all the questions right. And we hope that, that that little nerd who we we'd never give the keys to our company to run, you know, gives us the right valuation back, Jack, right? It can be just very, very defeating and very frustrating. There's a huge market out there for people with experience in, in helping small businesses, you know, because they need it. The need is, is overwhelming. There's millions of them in the country. So it's, it's, a, it's, a great, uh, it's a great career path. If you want to look at it like that, that's another way to look at it. And we've done hundreds, hundreds of these with uh, not, not evaluations, but coaching small business clients. That's what we do. We do it very well. There are a lot of people out there who could join that fray. Well, there are a lot of business coaches now or coaches of some kind out there. 
But uh, we, we've seen it all. We really have. hate to say it like that, but well, it's very true. As we talked about, Jack, one of the areas that we focus on and we have a lot of experience on comes to buying and selling companies. So not mm-hmm. too many coaches have that experience, not only advising <clears throat> on it, but actually doing it. And we've actually bought and sold companies personally, right? So we, we, we you know, not only, you know, it isn't like we're just telling you what to do. We, we, we've been through it. You know, we bought companies with, with little to no financials. You, know, you make an offer, make a deal happen, right? Because you can just, you can sense there's an opportunity, right? You know, whether it be with, you know, with, with armatures or with, you know, with, with drawing for kids, <laughs> right? You know, you can sense that there's, there's, there's opportunity there. And so don't let things get in the way, like silly little valuation reports, right? So again, when you hear that, that, that somebody bring up the idea of the valuation report, be very, very skeptical in terms of why do I need that? Or can't we do, can't we do something without that? Like, you know, why is that so important to have? Because you, you just don't know because it creates stress. You're like, hey, you know, if you and I have agreed, you know, it's, it's, it's like for a house, right? If you're selling your house, I'm going to buy your house and we agree on a price. Why do I need some third party coming and telling me that that's a, that's a right or wrong price? You know, if you want to give me a, a deal on it, well, okay, well, you probably have reasons for giving me a deal on it, right? Versus you want to screw me over me and overcharge me and, and, and I'm willing to pay that. Well, okay. Well, sh- sh- shame on me, I got Yeah, it, it, it comes back to like, what purpose do they serve? And 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 how how based in, in reality, not hypothetical world. We aren't living in the metaverse yet, Jack. So it's, you know, it's based pretty much on protecting the banks or the lenders, whoever that may be. They, uh, they aren't about to uh, risk money, even though they do a decent job of it. Uh, you know, eliminate profits, not make profits the way they should, et cetera, et cetera. So that's a big part of it. And that's a big reason why you often will see in a small, in a small business deal where the, the seller often plays the bank or partially plays the bank with something called a seller note, because you as a seller know the business pretty darn well. And the fact they're saying, Hey, I, you know, I won't take a note back because I have confidence in this business. I know it's a good business and and I know it's a good loan to make. So your point, yeah, here you've got an owner making that kind of decision who's who's got one one customer, right? In terms of in terms of you know letting out loans, whereas the bank's got hundreds of them and and they should be better at this stuff, Jack. They really should be. Sure. But they're not. And and again, part of it is they often aren't very helpful. They aren't they aren't asking the right questions. They aren't they aren't advocating for you as the owner. They'll talk that way, but so many of them just don't. And we've seen it. I, I, I've seen it too many times. And I, I, I listen to nonsense and people, you know, spouting stuff. They have no idea. And I don't get pissed off very often, Jack. But, but but this, you know, this is one of my hot buttons in terms of just trying to you know, help people understand. Here's how things get done. And at the end of the day, and that's where we come from. That's our entrepreneurial spirit, Jack, is we're about getting stuff done, not putting roadblocks in the way. Not, you know, putting safety nets in the way. It's like, here, here's how these things kind of happen. Now, if that's not for you, that's fine. There's a big corporate world out there for you to go play in and kind of do all the all the bureaucracy and all the machinations and all the, you know, the so-called protections you think you, you might have. That's Go for that. It doesn't belong here in this small business world. It really doesn't. And it's a bunch of nonsense. And, you know, so for the most part, when you hear evaluations, say, hey, how do we get around doing evaluation or what's that really going to do for us? You know, because the bank, yeah, the bank doesn't usually pay for that, Jack, the bank, you know, you're paying for it. 
Yet the bank picks who does it. How does that work, right? So they have their buddies that they've they've pre-approved to do these things to protect who? To your point, Jack, protect the bank. So, you know, it's already lonely enough as it is as an owner, Jack. You get in these kind of circles and you feel, and, and often too, what happens is that, you, you know, you read these reports. They're, they're great to read if you have insomnia, probably. But, you know, even if you're relatively educated, you read these things, you feel like a dunce sometimes. Like, what the heck are they saying here? What does this mean? Like, you know, what are these terms? Oh, mean? Like yeah. So, so much of it. So much of it's uh, protected by, by God knows what. Throw up big barriers, 50 page reports that, you know, uh, you need maybe two of them if you need them at all. Well, you need them. You need them. You need them for that third party involvement. But you, uh, you know, they aren't. They aren't really worth much. They really aren't a talking point, a starting point. That's what they they are at best. And they shouldn't be what what kills the deal or makes the deal happen. They should be right. okay and say we're checking out. Much like we ask for, hey, you know, you know, give me your tax returns, right? It's one of those things. You know, and, and yeah, if all of a sudden you, you know, you agree to sell your company for a million bucks and yet the, the valuation report comes back at three million bucks. Okay, then you got to start asking, well, wait a minute, who was advising you on that deal? Yeah, it, it, who advised you to sell your company for one third of what it's worth? Did somebody tell you that? Okay, you know, that that almost never happens. Usually, it, usually it's the other way around, right? The other thing's company's worth $10 million and really it's worth a million dollars. You know, that's, that, that's, that's more of the yeah yeah <laughs> coming back to the emotion part well hey you know how much time i put into this and i gave up time with my family and this and that and i've you know, been through three marriages and it's like okay well sorry to hear that but it doesn't make your company worth 10 million dollars because of all the stuff that you know the stuff that happened here's what it's you know here's what it's really worth and that's that's part of the beauty that's where again you know if i bring it full circle back to, to, to my days in wall street here's what we figured out and, and this was something that i was amazed by too i, I remember making this comment when i first came back here or first looking at a package of a company that was for sale and it had a price in there. I put together a lot of packages, you know, in my time at Wall Street, Jack, you know, in terms of, you know, uh, they call them confidential information memorandums or PPMs, again, that, that you, you put the story together. Never once, ever, when we were selling a company, Jack, did we ever put a price tag on it? We'd present the number. Here, here's the story. Here's the numbers. Here's the thing. You tell me what you think it's worth. That's how that's that's how we determine what the value was, right? The small the small business world isn't like that. Well, <laughs> but <laughs> it should be. I think it is, and it's just people don't know any better, right? Because that's well, that's, that's most people. That's, that's what it comes down to. But it comes down to okay. I want to find that willing buyer, willing seller. So that there's a point where that's at. So part of the reason why we why we did that is we didn't want to cap it because again, you know, value Jack is often like beauty. It's in the eye of the beholder. Mm -hmm. So again, if if I have a current company that that I'm running, and I'm going to buy a company versus, hey Jack, you're 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 going to be a corporate dropout here, so you're just starting from scratch. So the value of that company to you might be very different than it is to me, because I don't need the owners who are there. I don't need some other people. Again, I'm seeing additional cash flow coming in that that they don't have, so I can pay more for that if if I want to. That's part of how these things start to happen. Again, you sort of get those strategic buyers. And again, you probably heard that. Again, if you've been thinking about maybe selling, you've heard about, hey, well, if I go to the strategic buyer, they're going to give me the highest price. They can, yeah, because they have a different situation versus somebody who's just coming in who's going to take your seat. All right, so it's a different way of going about it. But that's, to me, that's how you figure out the fair market value. You put it out there. Same thing's true for your house. If you're going to sell your house, you have an idea what you think it's worth. But at the end of the day, if nobody comes knocking, 
what do you do? You bring the price down, right? Or if you have 10 people that are, that are fighting over it, what happens? Price goes up. That's, again. That's marketing. That's market value. That's that's the, that's the right. That's the world of market. So, so we, we've gone from that reality, Jack, to, again, the hypothetical theoretical world. And so if you've been frustrated with that, if you've had some challenges with that, I think you get a sense from our from our discussion today. That's something that that, that Jack and I specialize in because again, we, we we've been helping small businesses for twenty years to grow, to buy, to sell, to do all these kind of things, and and, and we have a lot of experience to bring to bear to help. And we'll and we will advocate on your behalf with these people. We'll be in the room with you, side by side, not you know not saying here's what it should be. And we kind of hit no. We'll be in there fighting with you to make sure this stuff gets done. And a big part is figuring out who should be your partners with you. Do you have a, do you have the right banker that you're you're dealing with or not? Those are hard to find too. Do you have the right CPA? Those kind of things are are, are very very important. And, and a lot of that stuff comes to bear when it comes to buying and selling companies. Very and much so. So, <laughs> so that's a big part of what we like to do. And we like to specialize in. And so that's what we wanted to kind of cover today. This whole nonsense and how useless most business valuations are so hopefully you're getting the point we were trying to be very blunt today as we, as we normally are that we don't feel that they're very they're very worthwhile um but you can make a good business out of it again come back to spar data they do thousands of <clears> those <throat> things a year it's a nice business model for them it's great for them and they have that nice little niche but it's not usually based on deals that's the world where, where, where we live in and so if you want to live in that real world of doing deals maybe you should give us a call or, or, or reach out to us um if you're in that theoretical world, don't waste our time or yours. That's <laughs> okay. all I got to say that topic for today, Jack. All right. It's all right, Adam. All right. So if you like what you heard today, as I mentioned, this is episode 358. It means we have another 357 before this. And most of them are like today's episode that they stand the test of time. We talk about key principles to, to running, operating, growing your, your small business. And if you want to get those, you can get them all at our website, dirtysecretsofsmallbusiness.com. You click on the episodes tab, you'll see there's a search bar there. You can type in whatever topic that you're looking for. It'll feedback um, whatever shows we've done on that. If you don't find a show that suits your your topic or answers your question, you can feel free to email us at radio at maximumvp.com or give us a call, 330-849-0670. We'd be happy to answer the question for you directly or do like we do every week and put together a show that's, you know, chances are if you have that question, somebody else does as well. They'll be happy that you that you asked it. Um, if you prefer your smart device and you you, you listen to podcast players, so you know, use whatever podcast player you, that's your favorite, Spotify, iHeart, Apple Podcasts. If you search for Dirty Secrets of Small Business, you'll see our, our show there. You can subscribe to the show. And we usually drop a new episode every Thursday morning. So it'll be delivered right there to your smart device. And you can get all of our prior episodes there as well. So it's a wealth of knowledge for you in terms of, again, real world practical advice in terms of how things really work to be able to run and grow your small business. So that's our show for this week. We appreciate you all for listening. And we'll talk to you all next week. Good. <laughs>